Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, senior faculty member with Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we've helped thousands of businesses, business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, I'm speaking with John Patterson. John is the co-founder and CEO of Influential You, and you've heard him on this podcast since 2016. But somehow, we've never gotten him to actually tell his story. I'm excited because today we're going to hear his story. John has 30 years of experience focused on personal, business, and management effectiveness and performance, and has facilitated training for tens of thousands of people internationally. He's the reason I work here and has been a mentor to me over the last four years. And I can tell you from experience, you haven't met anyone like him. He lives here in Ojai, California, and I'm excited to hear his story on today's podcast. Please welcome John Patterson. How was that, John, for an intro? Can I? Another, that was great. Another was week? Really great. Another week at your company, at you think? At least, at least. <laughs> <laughs> this is really fun for me because we have been doing this podcast for over six years. And I say we now because I get to be a part of that as the co-host. Part of the we. And we somehow have never heard your story. So we, you know the format, you know how this goes. We talk about before Influential You, after Influential You. Tell me a little bit about your journey. How did it start? How did this whole idea begin? Where do you come from? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, lots of questions. Well, I was born. Gosh, there's so much. Well, uh, I think what really matters to know about me is that, you know, like any one of us, we have a kind of a pathway, a, a trajectory of our life. And I've had all kinds of experiences throughout my life. So I went to Texas A&M University, uh, <laughs> kind of accidentally. But anyway, I went to Texas A&M, got a degree in environmental design. And one of the things that you should know about where all of this started was um, I happened to have a friend of mine. Donna, so Donna Kakmar, Donna Kakmar, um, and she said, "Oh, you got to go to Italy. We're going to take this trip to Italy. You got to go." And I said, "Well, my parents would never let me go." I called my parents. They said, "Oh my God, you got to go." Oh. So I went, and I had the opportunity to be there with this professor, uh, Paolo Berrucchieri. Right. All right. And Paolo would take us around to all kinds of places throughout Europe. Um, I was there for a little bit before the semester, a little bit after the semester, and got to experience everything about Italy. Now, there's a couple of things that you should know about the birth of my sort of life uh, at this stage. One was I was shocked to be in a world where things weren't familiar. You know, people plugged in a plug in a different way. Mm. People ate it different. There was like the world sort of, uh, my eyes were opened in all kinds of ways I didn't fully expect. And frankly, it was extremely moving because at this point, I only knew life from growing up in Texas. Yeah. And suddenly I'm in Europe and I'm seeing all kinds of things. By the way, I went to London and Amsterdam and Europe and Greece and all that stuff while I was over there. So my eyes were opened really, really wide to a diverse world, diverse languages diverse religions, diverse, uh, fill in the blank. And it kind of shocked me. 
and I was awed by it. I found it beautiful. I found it amazing and, and wonderful. But the second bit of the beginning of my journey was, so this guy, he's taught over there for years and years and years. He was amazing. He would say, I want you to look at this, uh, this column here. Do you see this column here? This column, what it represents the way that mankind thought of himself at a particular time in life. But if you see the column next to it over there, this was built at a different time. So there's this relationship between mankind and the thing that he built. And I'm doing the accent. You're doing great. The, what he built, you know, there's a relationship between what he builds, how he sees himself, and how he expresses himself in art and architecture. Mm. And then that environment reflects back to him, himself. Except it's an amazing journey because if you just study architecture alone, what you start to see is, is that human beings construct these amazing sort of monuments to the thinking of the day, the philosophy of the day, how we see ourselves, um, and so forth. And I was kind of blown away by the study of the relationship between ourselves and our environments. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where my study started. Um, and then from there, after college, I accidentally started a business. Okay, yeah. <laughs> accidentally. Uh -huh. um, started a business. It was a furniture design business. And um, we ended up doing really well. Um, went to a show right early on and sold a whole bunch at the show and had to gear up for it. And, and, you know, I have so many lessons I learned about what not to do in the beginning of a business. Um, and then I sold that company hung out trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a while. And I was in Austin, Texas, um, where I met Kirkland, by the way. Oh, in Austin? In Austin. Okay, great. And so I met Kirkland at that time and started to get involved with um, personal development. Mm. And um, I saw personal development as a sort of extension of the environment relationship between ourselves and environment. Because in Italy, we studied the built environment and how that shapes us. And in this personal training and development, we studied the linguistic environment, why we think the way we do, what thoughts shape us, what are the kinds of uh, stories that we make up about ourselves and our lives, and how that shapes us. So it kind of seemed, in my view, the same sort of experience over time. I was always studying the relationship between ourselves and the environment. Mm. Um, and then, I don't know if you want me to keep going or yeah, fast forward. Yeah, I uh, come come to the part. So, and you're you're being so I, knowing what I know about your story. You're being so um, nice to your well, I guess not nice. You're not telling us the whole story about what you set up in Austin and some of those things. And then you went to Chicago. I know you were working for that company. And then at some point you realized, hey, this isn't for me anymore. And 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 so. Take us a little bit to that journey. When did you, what did you do for the next few years? You want to know that? about, so you want to know sort of what was the hardship that led me to, what led you, you know, to California. Kirkland and now, you, yeah. Okay. How did you get here? So, um, let's see, uh, several things. One is, uh, just a bit about my background. I grew up in Texas, mm -hmm. um, grew up Catholic. Okay. Um, at, at an early age, it started to deal with, being gay. I didn't know at the time what that was or what that meant. Uh, you know, when, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm gay. <laughs> okay. And then dealing with that, mm. then getting myself involved with business and, and getting myself involved with 
um, an educational company. What I started to struggle with and deal with ultimately was that I was trying to figure out who the F I was. Who am I? In a world where a lot of people had good ideas about what I should be and uh, about what I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to act. And I had lots of those same ideas. I would love to say, look, the world has a view of how, about how I should be, but I also had views about how I should be. Hmm. I should be a this and I should be that. And so I got to a place um, about 15 years ago or so where um, I'd been leading programs to many, many thousands of people around the world and different companies and, you know, cultures and whatnot. But I didn't really care for my company at all, the company that I was with. And what I struggled with mostly was that I didn't really like um, some of the ethics I thought were central to the company. Um, what I studied before was fantastic. What I learned before was fantastic in all kinds of ways, but I don't really care for the company itself. And so at this point in my life, I'm soul searching. I'm looking to see how I want to move forward, what I want to do. Uh, and I quit. Hmm. And so I quit that company. Like cold just turkey, just, just one day, I, yeah. I'm done. One day, I, two weeks, one day yeah. I quit. And it was okay. a big deal, by the way, because uh -huh. I was involved in an organization in which my job my career, my livelihood, my profession, what I learned, what I knew, what I taught, my friend group, my social group was 23 years in the making. Mm. So I was so at odds with all of that for so long that um, quitting wasn't just like quitting a job. It was actually quitting a life. It was wow. kind of like, I did not want to do this anymore. I really didn't. And what I didn't really want to do anymore was I didn't want to be untrue to my own aims, untrue to my own satisfaction, untrue to my own wants and commitments and so forth. Yeah. And so um, I happened to be coming to California um, for every six weeks or so as part of a program. Kirkland was here. Okay. I had known him from way back in Austin from well before. And so I stayed at his house when Wonderful. I came out here. And so that's, I guess this is a good place to pause because this is your sort of quote unquote fundamentals of transaction journey. This is my fundamentals of transaction. And right? so there's the, there's the before part with Kirkland and you guys had this relationship. Why Kirkland? Why is Kirkland somebody that, you know, you knew you respected? Why, why would you trust someone like Kirkland? <clears throat> well, first of all, when I met him way back, he was charismatic. Okay. He was, um, he was smart savvy but also was very much in touch with relationship connecting with people um you know he's one of those people could sell ice to an eskimo kind of guys <laughs> but also wicked smart and he wouldn't let you know it at first hmm. he'd sneak up on you you know you you kind of think that he's just a goofy guy you know kind of fun friendly funny and all of that but then when it came time to challenge you, he could challenge you like nobody I'd ever met. And I don't mean challenge, I confront, but, you know, listen, why do you think that? What's going on about that? So Kirkland and I famously took walks around the block every day. And this is your fundamentals of transaction journey. It, it is, yeah. but it's kind of funny. There wasn't a program right. in mind yet. What mm. it was, was I had the things that I thought were true. I had the notions that I considered to be true about life or me or or 
uh, or about being satisfied. And he kept saying, yeah, but I understand you're not really happy in that relationship. Yeah, but I understand you really don't like that job. Yeah, but I understand. So you say this thing, but then there's this other thing. So he kept pointing out kind of the, the conflict between what I said and my own satisfaction and my own fulfillment and my own happiness. And look, I was, you know, it was satisfied. It was in, in many ways, money was fine. Um, I was well-respected, well-known, all those sorts of things, but I was miserable, miserable. And I'd love to go on and on about that. I won't, but I was miserable because um, I uh, felt, like I said, often I was just loyal to something. Mm. Uh, and I think this is where, you know, I, I put in my notes, loyalty shouldn't kill you. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we've ever talked about this because no. you have no idea. I have but, no you know, clue. I have I, uh, I actually have what I call post-traumatic staff disorder. Oh, okay. uh, PSTD. <laughs> uh, for those of you that know uh, the prior company that I'm talking about, I was on staff there for 10 years or so. Um, the number of times that I've woken up over the course of years from uh nightmares about working there oh, is, no. is intense <laughs> it was really bad it was really bad yeah. we felt a ton of pressure to perform and produce things that were uh not possible to produce but still expected yeah very and much as in, you know as a sales guy i said i don't care if you have any uh resources you need to go produce that contract today i don't care if you i don't care if you have 10 other things in your list i don't care if you eat or sleep you need to go do that today yeah um, so is, I'm exaggerating a little bit sure. to make the point, but, um, it's very stressful. Yeah. Um, and I was in a relationship that was similar. Like I need to be in that relationship, no matter what I need to be in this job, no matter what. And there was a lot of sort of keep your word, no matter what going on. Mm. And that's what Kirkland really confronted. Mm. Now on the fundamentals of transaction program, we have this whole module, as we know, as you know, about umbrella ethics. Yeah. So I had this ethic. That was more like do what I'm do what I said I would do no matter what. Okay. And Kirkland challenged me, but what if your aims change? But what if the environment doesn't? You're acting as if you have some say over the environment, but the environment is much much bigger than you. Yeah. Um, you're acting like you have a say about you know whether or not it rains or not. You'd you'd have no say about that stuff. Yeah, you can't control it. So um, there was a lot in what I had learned where. I knew ambition to be something like, I get to say how it's going to go and I am yeah. going to will my way right. into this. I'm going to make this thing turn out. Uh, if it's to be, it's up to me. And so much of my life was about um, honoring that particular ethic and set of practices and so forth. And Kirkland would keep challenging me and saying, dude, you're just not responsible for that you live in the world you don't have that kind of say and and i would fight him on it hmm. and he would often win and i would start to see that there was some fallacy in my thinking about having a say and that what i really had access to more than anything else was my ability to influence outcomes but ultimately i'd either influence the outcome in the direction i wanted or not hmm. so did i have some influence over the environment yeah but i don't have some ultimate say about how it's going to go <clears throat> there are many many other things involved so yeah. this is about the time that he keeps 
challenging me on, like I said, dozens and dozens and dozens of notions. And I knew also, you know, you've been around Kirkland for any length of time. You get the sense that he's seeding something. Yeah. Like seeding an idea. We call it, he calls it dangle dangle a lot of times. You'll, some of you may Nowadays, you might, yeah. I, I've gotten that from him, yeah. So, he, like he's seeding something. And what I come to realize is that he sees um, my talent, my skill, and my, you know, all of the things that I've done over the course of years and understands that I am um, an amazing asset for something. And that if we just got me more able to transact effectively rather than try to make shit happen you know, like make it happen yeah force it force it um will it to be um that i'd be pretty uh bulletproof yeah so and it was in all of those kinds of day-to-day -day walks around the block that he would then say well i want to introduce you to this concept and if you, you know, Josh, you know a little bit about this for our, for our audience. Kirkland's early days were spent in um, part of a mastermind group and several different organizations. And, and fundamentally, he got to, you know, retire at a particular age very early, but he was always grabbing on to the principles and practices of uh, everything that he had learned and hoped one day he would write his memoirs oh. about some of the things that if you're studying here, you now get to enjoy because at some point in all of this, um, I said, this needs to be something. Yeah, that eureka moment. What was that? I, this is where I wanted <clears> to hear that you when you had that moment of we, we're going to start a company. I've heard uh, a couple versions of it, <laughs> your version of it. And then what were some of the stipulations and rules that Kirkland said in, in order for him to buy in and, and be a part of that company? Well, as the story goes, uh, in my in my traditional inventor personality way, I walked down the stairs and said, you know, it's called Influence Ecology and we start in January and I've got three people registered. And, <laughs> and in fact, that did happen and it happened almost exactly that way because about a year earlier, so, so that was a moment, right? But about a year earlier, Kirkland and I had been doing those walks. I hadn't yet moved to Los Angeles. I was just visiting every six weeks. Back but chose to move there and i was staying at his place for a bit before i found my own place and we'd continue our walks and he had these four papers that he had written and i don't know if you've ever seen these uh -huh. or not but they are the these four papers and they're called the fundamentals of transaction okay and each paper represented each of the moves in a transaction okay which you now know are in events perform present, present sorry uh fulfill, fulfill and, and complete. complete yeah and that, that was it that's all there was there was okay. these four papers on those things and the personalities sort of correlated with those things and that was the fundamental wow. something that existed and so there was a lot in his background that we got to credit him with because there was a ton plus my god the research of this yeah so there was all of that and then he was working with a, uh, a, a young business professionals group in a chamber and was working with those individuals and those individuals in that chamber who were reading those four papers and he was working with them on understanding it. Those were actually the first, what we now call the first fundamentals of transaction programs because the first two or three of those groups that did the work that we were, that he was doing with them 
they were having these amazing results, these unbelievable results. And you may or may not know this, but I was, I was at the time not really interested in training and development. Remember, I have yeah. post-traumatic staff disorder, so I'm not really interested in being part of any of that. Mm -hmm. What I'm interested in is going back to my first love, which I was originally going to get into uh, SMU uh, for radio, television, and film. Uh, and ended up at A&M where I thought I could just do the same thing, but no, I could only do architecture. So I ended up, okay, I'll do architecture. Anyway, so that whole story aside, um, I I just thought I'm going to go back to my first love. And Kirkland was, you know, as you know, as a producer in Hollywood. And so I was working with him on, you know, some TV shows. And I had, in the meantime, while in Chicago, I had... Um, started to work with a company who was an editing house who did things for harper studios and uh, nbc universal and a bunch of different tv shows remember chicago was the talk show hub you know back in the day right. sally jesse and a whole bunch of others so they were doing all of the editing for some of those nbc universal shows okay. and because i was back and forth between chicago and la i was given television shows to come out and sell wow in hollywood yeah and so i i did i went around and pitched a bunch of uh, television shows and um hated it hated oh, wow. every inch of it you know just just did not like the industry good. at all not yeah. my thing not for me uh not my uh and this is not for anybody working in the industry but for me i kept meeting a lot of people who i did not care for their ethics sure. and so forth and so on yeah. so at some point I started to look elsewhere for how I was going to make my living. Yeah. And I saw these papers. Yeah. There we and go. then from there, you take that, you start influential, you, uh, you started uh, on a, from what I heard, a shoestring budget. Hey, if this is going to work, it's going to work on its own. We're going to get our clients. I think Kirkland said a couple things. Number one, you're not using my money. Uh, and you tell me if anything is incorrect. Number two, um, I don't want to do that much work. <laughs> and number three, uh, it's got to work on its own. Those are the three things. Are is that is that similar to what you remember? Or? Well, that came a little bit later. Okay. I mean, you know what what happened originally was this has got to be a thing. Okay. I'd say he'd say no, no, no. I say no, no, no. This has got to be a thing. We okay. Can this into a thing. No, no, no. I don't want to do that. He was dealing with. I don't want to lose my freedom by having to now deliver programs. Yeah. I don't want to lose my freedom by having to construct some documents and yeah. so forth. Yeah. Um, and I kind of forced his hand Okay. by, again, with the famous story, walking to this office and saying it's called Influence of God. And we started through, yeah. But what we did then was, because we knew we were starting in January, we then wrote all of the papers for the Fundamentals of Transaction Program, some of which we wrote while delivering it so we could sort of validate and modify along the way. And by the end of that program, we had a full program, the very first program wow. that we led. Um, and we still have people participating to this day That's right. that were in that first group, quite a few of them, yeah. um, along with so many others that have you know, participated ever since. So good. Now, if, if you're just joining us, John Patterson, co-founder and CEO of the company I work for, Influential You, and we're hearing a little bit about his journey. Up to now, you've basically set us up to where you started it. Now, since then, it's increased. It went from one program to now a four-year curriculum. In fact, now we've got the new Thrive program. And if you're a client of ours, you will already see it inside of your dashboard. 
Um, and the Thrive is now a, a brand new thing that we're doing. So you're expanding this company. What has happened since then? What what has changed in your world since your fundamentals of transaction journey with Kirkland? What has changed in your life since that and now? Where are you at now? Well, first of all, um, it was, um, I'll talk about the company first and I'll talk about me personally. The company went from this one program to a four-year curriculum to um, having people participating all over the world. Um, and it, they kept spreading, it kept spreading around the world word of mouth. And we kept seeing people, you know, do our program and they would produce 45, 46, 47% more income in the six months than they normally would. And they were, they were kind of shocked by that. They would tell other people and so on and so on and so on. So that is a, a kind of a shocker. Uh, I remember the first call I had with Drew vividly. Um, Drew had seen something that I had posted or something like that. And, 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 you know, some of the people in Australia, some of the people in New Zealand, now Singapore, and of course now Dubai and London and so forth. So it's this amazing thing that's sort of spread all over the world. So one, personally, it's so extremely satisfying to have launched and started something together that's now all over the world. Mm. Um, this, the deep and profound satisfaction that that is, uh, is indescribable. Secondly is, um, I know a lot of people who participated in the company that I was with before who started stuff that seemed very similar mm. and it was so nice to start out something, you know, start this curriculum yeah. and it was its own thing. In fact, it, it, what it is, transactional competence didn't exist still doesn't still right. have no still. competitors still have nobody else doing this you know it is it is our thing we are the leader in the category for this particular something mm -hmm. and to start that to win with it to succeed with it has been extraordinary That's um and personally look um i make good money i live in an amazing home i'm in an amazing relationship i travel to europe you know, once a month, uh, once a year for a month, I, you know, I work a four day week. I, you know, I went from being so loyal to my previous company that, um, I was working, uh, then back in the past, I was working a six day week from 9am until 9pm, six days a week. And my job was to go out and get on the phone and and sell programs all day long and in the night lead them and on friday nights lead a program to train people to do the same mm. and i was i was really good at it you know it was, it was great it was satisfying all that kind of stuff but um in the meantime my health suffered i struggled i uh, so it went from all of that all the talents that come with doing something rather intensely and ambitiously to I kind of have it all. Like I'm really satisfied in so many different conditions of life as we teach it, just, mm -hmm. just as we teach it. And by the way, some of those things sort of came about by virtue of Kirkland and I going, well, wait a second. So, so your money's good, but your health sucks. Okay, now, why is that? And well, wait a second. So, you know, you love your job, but you hate the activity. That doesn't make sense to me. And well, hold on one second. And it would be those kinds of talks until we saw that the conditions of life were something that we needed to define very carefully 
and then help a whole world of people satisfy yeah. you know a whole bunch of different conditions of life yeah so wow yeah. now and i don't even think you mentioned the weight loss or any of that I, I didn't i don't know if i heard it but something like 70 pounds is not an exaggeration <laughs> yeah when i first met kirkland i was you know i was not a happy camper as, a, as you know i like i said i was very very stressed out i had put on a ton of weight yeah um and you know moved from chicago cold as <laughs> Chicago's my favorite city on the planet. I kid you not, except mm -hmm. for that it's cold. If I could move to Chicago and it'd be warm, I'm, but really cold, super cold. So cold, uh, stressed, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, Kirkland said, look, you know, one of the first things we need to do is deal with your health. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be in business with me, you got to be healthy. And nobody had ever really challenged me about any of that stuff they were only interested in i do my job not in the right. interest of my whole life yeah and i think that's that's actually a really good point in the sense of most of the jobs that i've worked for they train me to be a better employee working here at influential you it's yeah we want you to be a better employee also we want you to be satisfied in many conditions of life go out and find friends go i remember the first month i was here i had a little bit of my own ptsd uh, from, you know, bouncing paychecks and different things that were going on. And you said, what's that about? Why are you doing that? And you guys would always hand me a $10 bill. Either you or Kirkham would come by my desk and say, hey, it looks like you look stressed. Go golfing. The first three months of my job here at Influential You was you guys untangling so many things from me. Right. Hey, go golfing. And it yeah. was, it, so you practice what you preach. Um, I, I want to ask this question. Six years of podcasts. You've heard story after story after story, something like 100 episodes plus. We have about 50 that are available now. Yeah. What are the ones that stick out to you? What are the ones that mean the most to you <clears> that you know maybe aren't your own experience, but someone else's that pops into your head? Well, um, I think one of the first ones that stands out is Marcus Bell. Marcus Bell is uh, an amazing student, still with us again from way, way, way back. And he talked about the, the importance of practice. Mm. Um, then, uh, I mean, there's so many. My God, where do I start? Uh, the ones that come to mind right away, Mark Spell, Seanit Jagmahan um, in Auckland, New Zealand. Seanit um, is a radio keratologist. And I only can say that because I, you know, I had to say it five times <laughs> to be able to, to talk about it on the podcast. But he, you know, I fix, your, I fix people's eyes while they sleep. And I remember hearing that and thinking, what a great offer. You know, we teach people to make very specific kinds of offers. So what a great offer. And then Trisha Tyler and the way that she talks about being more valuable in an organization and Peter Burgraff and, you know, how he went from, you know, I think a bank teller to a bank owner, you know, there's, there's all of these great, amazing stories of the kinds of things that happen for people so quickly. I, they're just too numerous to count. I, I, I could talk about them forever. <laughs> I love that. We only have 20, 20 more minutes, so I, I better get to the good other questions or else we'll talk about that the rest of the time. Here's one. Entrepreneurs, you were in an existential crisis is what you put. I was in an existential crisis. I'm now going to start another business after you know trying this other job. Advice for entrepreneurs that may be finding themselves in a similar place. What would you tell someone or what would you even tell your past self uh, if you had the opportunity to say, hey, you're going through this, what would you say? <clears throat> um, know your aims. You know, uh, one of the first things we deal with in the Fundamentals of Transaction program is know your aims. Um, you know, I was just reading an article this morning and, and many people are dealing with 
um, you know, the great resignation, the great reshuffle, the great whatever you want to call it. But basically, people have spent the last couple of years during COVID um, looking at their lives and asking some really hard questions about what they want out of life. Mm. I think it's an important, important question. Um, we used to make fun of of people who, you know, would say, do what you love and the rest will follow. I don't think that's true. Uh, I don't think that's true at all. I think that's actually really bad advice. Um, it's more like think accurately about all your aims in many different conditions of life. You may love dogs, but being a pet store owner might suck for you, <laughs> right? If you don't know the activity involved with um, running that organization or that business, if you don't know what it's going to take on your health, if you don't know that, if you don't think accurately about all those things, then you're likely to do something that may satisfy you in one area. Like I said, for myself, I was really satisfied in my ability to stand up in front of a room, move an audience, move things forward, produce a kind of, you know, uh, transformation, if you will, uh, with individuals like that. Boom, 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 boom. However, just because I was able to do that, just because I was good at it, just because that was a skill I was admired for and so forth and so on, it did not also mean that I was really happy in terms of my health, that I was satisfied here, that I was satisfied there. It didn't It didn't mean that. So now I would say if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking at well, how I might move forward, think about, well, first of all, here's my advice. Do the fundamentals of transaction program. Do not stop. Do not wait. Go do that program work with a group of faculty who is going to move you through steps and stages, just like Kirkland did with me ages and ages ago. Help, get the help to move through those different spaces and find out what it looks to think accurately about your health. What does it look like to think accurately about your money and so forth and so on? Yeah, I love that. And just another tag, there may be a 15 minute link somewhere on the website. You can just talk to me and we'll have a wonderful conversation about it. Right. Thank you for that plug, John. Here's a question for you that might be hard. I like hard questions for yeah. you because I love your brain. Um, what would you change about your journey? Is there anything you'd change about the way that you kind of went? Like how, how that went? What would you do? It's funny. You know, that, that question, I don't love that question I because, mean, you know, it's always in hindsight. Hindsight is, you know, hindsight's not, for me, mm -hmm. I'll say it this way. As an inventor personality, leaning into the future, uh, I don't know if I change anything. I love who I am and I love all of the ways that I skin my knees along the journey and ended up learning stuff that then helped me be a better this or a better that. So I don't, I don't know that I have anything I would change. I like that. Um, I wanted to ask you this. Influence Ecology went through some major changes over the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, we changed to Influential You as we have now. You talked about kind of taking our own medicine and actually like looking at our company and our brand. And we've changed a lot of things. There's a, a big future that you're creating right now at Influential You. Tell, yeah. Can you tell us what you see so far? What's coming our way? What are some of the things that are going to come into the future of Influential Sure. You? Um, the biggest change is this. So um, I remember when we announced Influential You at one of the conferences. And one of the biggest responses in the room was, dang it, we like being part of the Secret Smart Club. Um, you know, we didn't really market, advertise. We didn't, we didn't really do anything to make ourselves known in the world. We just got spread around the world word of mouth, which for many people was deeply satisfying. Like I found a secret, none <laughs> telling nobody. And, and, you know, for many of those people that was um, good for them, but not good for me. Yeah. 
uh, not good for my business. I, I would prefer that the world know about this. Um, my commitment, my personal commitment, if you said, what, you know, what is it that really, really matters to you? I'd say it's this. I want people to have a pathway to their dreams, a pathway. That doesn't mean I want people hoping for something with no pathway. It doesn't mean I want people dreaming for something with no pathway. I want people to be able to go, okay, I want that thing. Now, how am I going to make that real? And that to me is what we teach. Now, if I can help a whole bunch of people do that, um, that's deeply, deeply, deeply satisfying. And one of the surprises that came out of doing our programs over the, the years has been what people do with it, what they've done with it, what they use it for. So, you know, I led the fundamentals of transaction program for years and years. I don't anymore. And at the end of every one, I would have an exit interview with people. And what people would say again and again and again is, look, I loved everything I learned, but you want to know something that really surprised me? My relationship with my wife is better. Mm -hmm. I get along with my kids. I uh, I spend more time being with my family. I'm my life is more balanced. Um, yes, I got all these great professional influence things, but I got this whole balance. And particularly particularly around personality, um, people started to see that there's something really almost bigger picture about personality than just a team of people getting along yeah. that maybe just maybe that we can help people see and empathize with all kinds of different worldviews. And so we've been able to go into organizations and corporations and things like that and start to help those people see that if I'm going to transact with you, I need to understand your worldview and you need to understand mine. It's not just enough to me for me to know my personality. I need to know how I might transact with you more effectively. So teams go faster, families go fast, everything goes faster. Point is, I want that ability to be in organizations around the world. And if we can do that, if we can have organizations around the world, um, speeding things up, getting more productive, less dysfunction, uh, that would be a that would be a, a life worth having. Yeah, I agree. And even today, we have a brand new blog that dropped uh, from Meredith Hart. Thank you, Meredith, for writing it, talking about how government even functions better through transactional competence right. with teams. And it's it, to me, it's it's a I told this to Daryl one time that some of my aims are to affect government. How do we affect the different changes in the, how do we help people think accurately about what they want to do? So before we get to your soapbox, I want to ask for one story because you're such a great storyteller, a funny story, you know, starting the company, middle of it. I don't care what the story is. I, something that pops in your head of, hey, this was worth all of it from this one story that I've got. It can be anything from someone calling you out in the middle of a conference oh to, God. Uh, knocking your socks off, something that, that hits you in the last 12, 15 years of thinking about this company. Uh, is there anything that sticks out to you that, man, I got this story you have to hear? Oh, well, I think the funniest thing was, you know, so there I am, I'm walking around the block doing all these things with Kirkland. Um, and as he's teaching me stuff and training me and stuff, 
uh, there's this one day we're going to go do something. Don't remember what it was. I remember we walked out to the garage and we were getting in the car and he was saying whatever he said. And I said, dang, you're so transactional. Oh. And I meant it as both an insult, but also a matter of fact. Hmm. Like, dude, not everything is about getting your way. Dude, not everything is about, you know, influencing me to move in some particular kind of way. And he didn't know how to respond to it, didn't know how to take it at the time. But now since then, it's become sort of a moment where um, we both recognize that that was the moment in time where something important happened in describing what that was that became a kernel for now what we teach. That's fun. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But and do you think that was maybe the first time you said the word transactional like like that or that that just kind of came out? I, I think so. I, cool. I never. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had confidence. You got our company. So you were you're right there. There you go. Um, soapbox moment. You had already talked a little bit about loyalty and want to talk. Have you talk a little bit more about whatever you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, but what is your and this is so fun for all of us that actually hear John speak all the time. This is something really personal, I, I think, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to hear this from you. I'm going to try not to goo-goo-eye, but I'm really excited to hear what you're about to say. <laughs> well, um, so when I was in my 20s, my uh, friend Paul Broussard was murdered. And uh, he and his then boyfriend, I think, were coming out of a nightclub in Houston, Texas, and some guys were going to go out and, and, you know, beat up some fags that sure. night. And they decided they were going to, they, they hammered nails into a two by four. So they stuck out, you know, and they jumped them and ended up killing Paul. Uh, and then the other guys, you know, the other guy got away. Um, the guys that killed him were part of a group of people in the Woodlands, Texas, where I happened to live, that were known as later on as the Woodlands Seven. They all went to jail. Uh, for the murder. And then one of the guys that ended up being the guy who struck the blow or, you know, ended up killing him um, uh, was put in prison. I wrote him a letter at some later point in time. And, and I knew that for him as a, as a boy in high school, right? So, you know, I, I knew that for him as a boy in high school, he didn't have a sense of his actions leading to that kind of consequence. Um, and I forgave him, right? Forgave him in a letter. But I, my point in, in telling the story is one, I'm a guy who grew up in a world where I thought I should be a particular way. I shouldn't be myself. I should be straight. I should be, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I got evidence by virtue of my friend being murdered for it and thinking, okay, well, it's really not safe to be myself. So I'll be, I'll pretend to be something else. That pretense led to a whole bunch of mischief for myself. I was very protective about how I think I should be, how I should act, how I should, whatever, fill in the blank. And ultimately, um, it, I remember there was a point in time where a woman I was working with said, you know, would it be okay if you took a stand for yourself and you were just yourself? Would it be okay? Would it be worth dying for? 
And I said, no. <laughs> and she went, well, hold on one second. She said, you know, um, there are people who, who are willing to go out and change the world in a particular way, and they're willing to risk everything for it. Are you, are you willing to risk that? And there was a part of me that said yes, as in, yeah, I'm willing to risk that. But there's also a part of me that was willing to say, I don't think that I need to be, this is not a movie moment here where I need to go, yes, at all costs, I'm going to risk myself and risk my life uh, and go out in the world and, and take my stand and then take my shot. Um, I was more careful about it, more cautious about it and all those kinds of things. But here I am many, many years later, that was, I was in my 20s. I'm now in my, I'm now 60. <laughs> You're on your late, late I'm 20s. about to be 60. <laughs> uh, and I don't give a rat's ass. Yeah. I, I really don't give a rat's ass. I think that if you're gay, you're gay. If you're, if you're, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, the world needs to be a better place, a, a place where we're more accepting of diverse views and so forth. So I think what I want to say is, is kind of a, you know, a, a point of, uh, uh, soapbox moment is I really love being at work on making the world a place where people are able to be much more inclusive about the fact that we're different. You're straight. I'm gay. Who the F cares? I don't care. I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, by the way, I'm not out, you know, flying the flag and I, that's not me. I'd rather be a human being first and foremost, that's doing an amazing job, but good God, it's amazing to know that I have the capacity to see, you know, so glad that I got to see life through this lens where society wanted one thing of me. And I had to ask myself some really hard questions about who I am and what would satisfy me. Uh, and I'm so grateful that I chose my own satisfaction as opposed to choosing, you know, what somebody else think I should do or, or whatever. And it was those walks with Kirkland that helped me realize, you know, I get to say how this thing's going to go. Uh, I'm on behalf of all of the clients, on behalf of all the staff, on behalf of everyone. Thank you for choosing that satisfaction. It has meant a lot to us. I, I tell a lot of people, I, uh, I, I'm a Christian as well. And studying with these gay agnostic boomers, turned me on to Christianity and helped me realize there was something in my life that I needed to fill and spiritual. So yeah. on behalf of me personally, and on all the opportunities that you've given me, thank you. Um, and I'm very proud to work for you and I'm not going to cry in front of everybody <laughs> on the screen. So we're going to go to the other the high def camera. Well, I have a question for oh, you no. just real quick. Cause I, yeah, I know me. your mom, your mom might be watching. Sure. Too as well. Cause <laughs> you know, I, I only your man, your mom might be thinking, what the hell is if my son working with these gay guys or whatever, you know, look, first of all, uh, is your mom Mrs. Mrs. D'Amigo? Sure. Okay. All right. Right. <laughs> first of all, there's a few of us, but most of us are, most of, most of the people around here are not gay. Um, I happen to be, but so is the, you know, the CEO of Apple and several other fortune 500 companies. So if that's a problem for you. Well, you know, sorry, there's some really amazing gay people in the world and straight people and, you know, all kinds of people. So it's just people. Um, and uh, I really appreciate that you have uh, really never had anything going on about that. You're really secure in yourself and, and who you are. And But I think it's a testament to um, our what we teach because 
we teach that there's a, an opportunity for me to understand what it's like to talk to you in your language or me in my language, you know, your personality to my personality, my personality, your personality, but also we have no commitment here at Influential You that it is our job to tell you what your aims should be. There's no commitment here that, that anybody here ever, if you ever hear from anybody, by the way, if you ever hear this from any of our faculty, please let me know. No one should ever tell you what your aim should be. That's mm. yours to choose. Yeah. That's mm. yours to decide. And my job is to respect it. So you may have a, you may have an aim to be, you know, to, I don't know, something very, uh, you know, I can think of all kinds of customers. I won't say name. Some customers who lean so far right and some customers who lean so far left politically. And I have customers who are deeply, profoundly religious and others who are absolutely not. But it's not my job to do anything except to support people in finding a pathway to their aims, period, end of story. And anything else is just a bunch of bullshit as far as I'm concerned. So there you go. I love that. And I apologize, <laughs> Mr. Amigo, for saying a bad word there at the end. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, <laughs> she is very happy with the results that I'm having because you guys, as she says, have actually taught me the lesson she's been trying to teach me for years, well, but I wouldn't welcome. listen. So that's that's <laughs> great. But mom, I, I love you. And I'm sorry for us always bringing you up in podcasts, but we love you and thank you for watching. Uh, John, thank you so much for being on. I'm going to take you off my camera pleasure. and just do my, my outro here because this is my favorite camera. And if you didn't notice, I got to sit in John's table this week and this is my side and you'll probably never see me over here again. But if we're lucky, I'm so excited for you guys joining us next week. We'll have Gene Lloyd joining us on the podcast. Uh, I got to really know Gene at the Mid-Year Summit in Ventura, and you will not want to miss her story, and you will not want to miss an opportunity to dance with her at a karaoke club either. She's wonderful. Thank you for joining us today. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you enjoyed this podcast, will you share it with others? You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place that you get your podcasts. Don't be shy. Give a rating or review. Thank you, John Paul Severson. And we want to know what you think. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads that we talked about in today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, mentors, and members all around the world. A special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, with video and sound by Michael Teehee and Daryl Anderley. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on July 20th, 2022. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring and titled Fast Train to Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week.